Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. See, I had all of these great ideas throughout the week of how to open the episode, but, you know, I get in front of the microphone and then they all just kind of evaporate, so really leaning on you here. Oh, no. (laughs) March Madness is here, everybody. Did you fill out your bracket? All right, we're going to have our own little March Madness right now. Uh, just picture this in your mind's eye. This is going to make great radio. Okay, so on one end, we have Buster versus Arthur. That's right, top seeds right there. Okay, The Brain versus Mr. Rapper. And, and then near the bottom, we have Binky against Francine. There we go. That's one side of the bracket. The other side, Muffy Prunella. Fern versus... Uh, Sue Ellen? Sue Ellen. Perfect. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> and then we need a final two. DW, pa- DW. DW Pal. I know. D- we're gonna, oh, DW yeah, Pal. That's the top seed. That's, lo- that's the top seed. That's loaded. Are you kidding number me? Number one and number two. Man. All right. I, I'm not going to make you go through all that again because, to be honest, I've already forgotten it. And we can picture uh, pick the semifinals later. But you listening at home, you make that bracket, you make your picks, and we'll see who wins. Yeah. The Arthur March... Madness Sounds good to me. This is uh, Will Young along with uh, the hoop dreamer himself, Lucas Mancini. I take that as a huge compliment. Hoop Dreams is a fantastic film. And uh, we are here for Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Thanks again for joining us. We have got our, uh, our, we're going deep on these two episodes, or rather this one episode with two parts that we've got this week. But of course, wanted to start us off this week with some listener feedback, as we like to do. Uh, so I wanted to start it off. Let's. Uh, I wanted to start off a bit lighter with uh, our Tumblr asks over at uh, Elwood City Limits. Limits.tumblr.com. We got a couple of quick hits here. The first one we just got today, or excuse me, yesterday, and this one I thought was very interesting. Not so much a question, but Roa Bear uh, wrote us and said, y'all were talking about the music Muffy was blasting and poor Muffy. Uh, It sounded like a whole mix of genres, but the first thing I thought of when I heard it was the 80s song Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. The guitar solo is almost spot on. Now, I went. I, I listened to Lo- "Owner of a Lonely Heart," and they're absolutely right. No, it way. sounds so. It sounds near perfect. So, for listeners, okay. So here is Muffy's uh, music. And here's the guitar solo specifically of Owner of a Lonely Heart. (laughs) 
Now, obviously, it doesn't work for us because I can't really play it for you, but it sounds real close. I'm picturing like a hotline, br- hotline bling pina colada song esque mashup in my mind's eye, and I can see how they could fit together. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I think that that's a great, a great observation. Uh, we also got an actual question. This one uh, doesn't go too deep from Chill. Man, these Tumblr these Tumblr names are hard to figure out how to pronounce. Philadelphia, Chilelverum. Uh, they asked which character is the most likely to vape. Okay, so he, so here's what I want us to do. On the count of three, we're gonna name the character we oh, think. Okay, because I because I've got somebody in mind. Hmm. Give me a second. Give me like one second. Okay, here. so the character most likely to vape. I've had all week to think about this. I am. Kind I know of, you're putting me on the spot. Kind of putting you on the spot a little bit here, but I feel like. Okay. Okay, so you, I got you, it. you got it. Okay, so you don't have to yell it out, but we'll just say it together. Okay, one, two, three. Brain. Rattles. Okay. Oh. oh. See, at first I was thinking brain. Okay. But I don't know. I was it, thinking brain and Buster as a second. I feel but that's like more college Buster. Buster's more college Buster's more like he's just doing Adderall all the time, <laughs> watching Infowars. Oh my lord! A brain, I could see he's like making his own custom rig. Yeah. He's like, oh, I gotta unlock the ohms so I can blow. But here's the thing: I don't think Brain would be so into blowing mad clouds. You know no. who who would be all about that cloud life though? That yeah. cotton life rattles. I think that's a good pick. I like I like rattles. I did not consider him, but. Yeah, that sound that sounds exactly like the person who would blow mad clouds. He would also be into all the nonsense vape terminology. He yeah, could add that to gleeking. He could be talking about ohms and, <laughs> and oh, all that stuff. Ohms, right? All right. So rattles, probably the most likely character to vape. And now we move on to our emails. We got a couple of them this week over at Elwood City Limits at gmail dot com. And we're going to start off this week with an email from Hunter. Hey, Lucas and Will, my name's Hunter, but I also go by Maddox or Bradley Boy like Brad Maddox. Ooh, topical. I know. Hey, (laughs) you know what? Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I have an anime recommendation for Lucas. Uh Uh-oh. It's called Marginal Number 4. It's about four high school boys who are in an idol group trying to live a normal life. Because as one of the main characters puts it, at the end of the day, they're still ordinary high school students. Marginal Number 4, there you go. I've never heard of it. Me neither. I mean, I I don't know much about anime. I've been thinking about getting into Yuri on Ice. It's very good. Hey, My, if, if I, you I, need I, me to hook you up with your crunch with a Crunchyroll subscription on the DL, ooh, let me know after the show. Thank you. Use promo code. Exa- this ooh, promo ooh. code doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, my uh, another another one of my friends has recommended highly. And finally, One Punch Man is on Netflix. So, so I'm going to get it. Also on Crunchyroll, I think so. Uh, I also love how you guys sprinkle in wrestling references with your Arthur reviews, being a wrestling fan myself. Uh, I also have a question for you guys. How long do you think WCW would have lasted if it won the Monday Night War? Ooh, okay, so that's getting into a little bit little bit uh, heavy on the wrestling. So uh, We could have a whole podcast about this, but I'll quickly say, as someone who's recently listened to the audiobook version of Death of WCW, yeah. uh, I think it was doomed to fail given the people that were in charge, no matter what happened, especially... Uh, once uh, it became non-profitable, non-profitable, Turner Broadcasting was going to get rid of it no matter what. It would have required several miracles for it to turn around, and it would have required the WWF to like really, to really crap the bed 
and like to really stink it up in order for them to even be in a position. Even to then, win. like, and even then, it's a it's tall order. The, the if you look into the corporate structure of the way that company was near the end. Uh, there was nowhere for it to go but away. Yeah, really. So it's a, it's hard to picture, and that's that's a good one. It's a good one to think on. P.S. He says N.W.O. for life, or excuse me, N.W.O. for life. Too sweet. There you go. And we also have one from Josias who uh, wrote us uh, a, a week or two ago. Uh, he, uh, I'll go on. Hi, this is Josias again. I listen to all the episodes now and still feel as positive about the show as I did in my previous email. Will, feel free to pronounce my name in however, whatever way you feel most comfortable saying. Did I try to correct you last time? We well? were No, you didn't try to correct me. We just weren't <laughs> sure. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway. I started wondering if the podcast could ever possibly catch up to where Arthur is now. For this, I decided to do some math. So- sorry, Lucas. There are currently <laughs> 229 aired episodes of Arthur. Let's assume that there are four episodes of Elwood City Limits each month, which obviously isn't true, but let's just say, well, yeah, sometimes life does get in the way. At this rate, by the end of the year, you will have covered 63 episodes, leaving 166. At four episodes per month, all 166 would be covered in a little more than three and a half years. Of course, in these three years, it could be assumed that three seasons have already been aired, adding an extra 30 or so episodes. This would take about eight extra months to cover. So finally, it would take about four and a half years for the podcast to be concurrent with the series. Realistically, this would also probably end up being five to six years. Hey, Lucas, what are you doing for the next five to six years? <laughs> Not much. Uh, sorry if I made you guys feel some existential dread with this. I just thought it would be interesting. Love the podcast. Also, I find it funny that you guys are giant bomb fans because Will's voice occasionally reminds me of Ryan Davis. Wow, what and, a huge compliment. And the show definitely has that Bombcast vibe. That Both of those huge compliments. Thank you so much. I don't think I could ever quite touch the humor that uh, Mr. Ryan Davis was capable of. What an honor to bestow upon us. That's crazy. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I am uh, a really, really huge fan, so that means a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm a more recent fan, but very, very big as well. Um, and thank you, thank you, Josias. That was actually very interesting to read. Uh, whether or not we'll get there to the end, to the to the very end, is anybody's guess. But as long as we're having fun. We'll keep it going, and uh, our circumstances will definitely change in the next few years as you know our lives take shape, but hopefully we can still come back to this, even if we lose a bit of time here and there. I at least want to get to the episode where Buster starts a podcast, just to start we, some we, podcast inception. We kind of have to, we, yeah. it, even if we have to jump forward in time. Okay, so we've got our pair of episodes today. Let's start it off with DW's Blanky. So it starts off with Arthur. Talk to the camera once again about how DW takes her blankies everywhere. Uh, or, excuse me, her blankie everywhere. You know, she takes it to preschool. She takes it uh, in the bathtub. There was, like, one other place that she takes it normally. Anyway, she, like, carries it around everywhere, and it never gets washed. And uh, which leads Arthur to say that uh, DW has harangued him into looking around for the blankie on his Saturday so that they can try and find it. Now, this blankie kind of comes a little bit out of nowhere. So, and I hate to put her on blast, but luckily Uh she doesn't listen to the show, so it's all good in the hood. Okay. Uh, My adult girlfriend uh, still has a a blankie? Has multiple blankies, too, that she continues to sleep with to this day. 
Um, and they also very infrequently have not been washed in many years because they are so ratty now. If they were to be washed, they would disintegrate. Right. Uh, like the threads are actually coming apart. Um, it's not like a thing she needs per se. It's just like they're still there. So why yeah. not keep them, keep them on the bed? So it's not like this weird complex or anything. that I'm, I'm making it sound worse than it is, but she does have blankies that she refers to as blankies. her blankies. Yes. Well, well, let me stick up for and your- She does not carry them all around as well. She, they do not leave the bedroom. Right. Let me stick up for your girlfriend a little bit because I- Actually, have my own blankie as well. Now I all sorts of revelations. I don't here. now. I don't. I don't regularly go to bed with it, but it's my blankie and my two stuffed bears that I've had since childhood. And you know, every every once in a while, when I need, when I'm feeling very lonely, I'm feeling very down. I just need something. They're right there for me. They always have been. And you know, I'm a big believer in the power of teddy bears and stuffed animals. Like, it sounds kind of weird to say as a, you know, large adult bearded man, but, you know, every once in a while, it genuinely does help a lot. And they mean a lot to me, but they are also so old. The uh, the older one that I've had since I was a baby is quite worn away. But uh, I like to say well-loved, <laughs> blue Ted and pink Ted. Isn't that funny? So, okay, that's kind of crazy because my next thing I was going to say is, so both of them are named Ted, right? Yes. All my childhood stuffed bears, they're all brown, uh, but they're all different sizes. There's a big one, two medium ones. One has a ribbon, but they look exactly the same and a very small one. And because my dad named them, they're all named after former Montreal Canadian Guy Lafleur. So they're big <laughs> Guy, middle Guy, little Guy, and double Guy. Double Guy? Double Guy is the middle one without the uh, <laughs> the ribbon. That's and uh, I'm just laughing at how that sounds like big gee, little gee, middle gee, and double gee, and small and mi- small gee. I don't think it was mini gee. I think it's, it's, like, it's like you're shopping. It's like you're shopping for sizes at a martial arts store. Okay, do I want big gee, small gee, or double gee? Yeah, put on some weight. Maybe I want that double gee. <laughs> well, we've all had our our childhood stuffed animals, and so definitely able to relate to this. I've still got the. The blanket it was it was definitely used uh, as a baby. Uh, so we begin the episode with DW looking high and low for her blankie, can't find it. Um, she collides into Arthur while she's looking for it, and Arthur's on the phone with Buster. And Arthur's very excited; he's getting ready to go out because Buster rented all the Renegade Joe movies. This got me so excited. <laughs> I already my mind was ablaze with what Renegade Joe could be. I was thinking about it this whole episode. It's got a now. My assumption has always been it's Schmindiana Schmones. It's Indiana Jones just to take off. Interesting. I was thinking more of a Schmando Schmambo kind of movie. Shmambo? Okay. Yeah, like a rabbit Rambo. That's okay. what I think when I think of Renegade Joe, like the singular action star. I feel like Renegade Joe has to have a red bandana. Or given the naming convention, it could be Schmad Schmax. Ooh, Schmad... Sh- Although, Wait, uh, Buster does describe the plot of one of the Renegade Joe movies but at it's, the end of this. But it's not like any of them. Like, uh, we'll, we'll get to it a bit <laughs> later, but it's like, it's it's neither of them. It's like... It's yeah, it's more MacGruber than anything else. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so, but Arthur's very excited because he rented all the Renegade Joe movies and he's on his way. But then DW stops him before he gets out of the house 
uh, because she needs help looking for her blankie. And we get the very telling line here from Arthur that he may come to later regret. He says, well, we know it's not in the washing machine. Hilarious. Are you so sure, my friend? Well, before we know that that's actually telegraphing something near the end of the story, Mm -hmm. I just thought that was a funny line in the moment, like, oh, Arthur's got to get his dig in. Well, because... Oh, it's so dirty. (laughs) It's so dirty. (laughs) I actually laughed. I thought it was clever. All right. Uh, And, you know, Arthur is trying to get out of this as much as possible. Like, mom's at work and won't come home. And then she starts harassing Pal, who may have stolen it. But uh, Arthur says Pal's got better taste than that. Again, with the burns. Arthur's on fire this episode. Uh, So he's about to go out the door. And then DW blackmails him into helping her because she threatens to let it slip that Arthur still needs his teddy bear Stanley uh, in order to sleep at night. Uh, So he does agree to uh, help her look. So basically what they end up doing is retracing the steps taken the previous day of where DW and mom went on their day out. So they start off at the Tibble Twins place, which, of course, is uh, is a prime suspect number one of of stealing something would be the Tibble Twins, or at least in DW's mind where she's looking for any conclusion possible. That's right. So a big running theme in this episode is DW hypothesizing how the blankie could have gone missing in these various locations. Right. She's, she's not at a loss for creativity because in her mind, in figuring out how the Tibble Twins got her blankie, the Tibble Twins become, you know, they go from like, you know, these impish, little troublemakers to kind of like ninjas or sonic and knuckles like <laughs> in their acrobatics and rail grinding ability <laughs> yeah because they slide down the banister their whole bodies and they do this awesome like tuck and roll flip off of it and they, yeah they do like and, a triple somersault in yeah the and, and the dismount is on point <laughs> and then they just come up and steal her blankie arthur rightly asks how could they do that without you and mom seeing them and then dw thinks mrs tibble must have thrown magic dust on us that's right she had one of those magic dust gimmicks yeah in the, <laughs> the like yeah, the, the great muda or something mr fuji with the powder mr fuji that's what i was thinking of mr fuji <laughs> mr fuji yeah, so they go to the Tibbles' place, but no, Mrs. Tibble says that the twins have been with Trixie all weekend. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Just a throwaway line of why they're not there, and just like, but it just left me being like, who's Trixie? Who who is that? Is that their mother? Is that their aunt? Is that their sister? Another babysitter? Perhaps? Another babysitter? Like, I guess that they get to leave the house or something. Their parole officer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then Mrs. Tibble, you know, takes that as Arthur asking to play with them and, and just like, oh great, now I'll have to play with those two little monsters. Arthur, this whole episode, something about Arthur with a chip on his shoulder I'm way into. I love yeah. it when he's in like a bad mood and he's just like, not when he's whining. I hate when Arthur's whining, but I like when Arthur's like grouching. Yeah. Like Grou- when- Grumpin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Arthur just, he's like, I don't know, when he's just kind of a big meanie and he's like not into whatever's going on, Right. I, I, I get a kick out of him. He fits that role well for me. Just harumphing around. Yeah, for uh, sure. The next place they go is the dry cleaners where DW theorizes that the spinning of the, uh, the dry cleaning machine hypnotized her and then all of a sudden a... Uh, robotic arm with a cartoon glove hand came out and ordered her to hand over the blankie. And then she walks out kind of like a mummy under hypnosis. (laughs) This is one of the ones that I think 
were the most abstract for me. One, because I don't think I was ever at a dry cleaners in the 90s, so I've never seen one of those contraptions IRL. From what I remember, they don't go very fast. <laughs> at least, I mean, I don't know. It's been, a, it's been a long time since I was at a dry cleaner in the 90s, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can imagine about 20 years or so. <laughs> As a matter of fact. I'm uh, no expert, but. <laughs> I'm no big city lawyer. DW and Arthur go to the dry cleaners and, you know, obviously get pretty much laughed off by the person who works there. And she's like, oh, aren't you the cutest little girl? And just and DW's just like, but I, such a cute little girl. Would you, would you, would you go? Like like a literal Gucci gooing. That's right. She's touching her face. That's weird. <laughs> but we do get a great DW line here of, you know, they leave. Arthur says, I can't believe she thought you were cute. And then DW says, I am cute. I'm adorable. Just like this is this is a this is my this is me. Like she was right. I'm frustrated, but she was right to do it because look at me. The buddy cop banter in this episode, I think, <laughs> is its real strong suit. Um, we haven't had a just DW and Arthur episode in a while, mm-hmm. and they work so well together. I mean, it's it's kind of a no brainer. They are brother and sister, but when an episode focuses on just their two characters interacting, I always am into it. There's an equal amount of love and animosity. Under like, all, like underscoring good, all of their conversations. Like any good buddy cop story. They're yeah. a real Mel Gibson and Donald Glover. Uh, Danny Glover. Danny Glover, excuse Mel me. Mel Gibson and Donald Glover would be something. Uh, th- that would be. That, <laughs> Mad I, Max and Childish Gambino. <laughs> man, oh man. A man, oh man. Uh, so the next place to go is the library where DW thought the blankie might have gotten caught in one of the books they were returning and went in the slot because she was too busy waving to Miss Turner. Miss Turner looks everywhere but can't find anything and although suggests a book on blankies. All right, well. Yeah, check the card catalog <laughs> for a book on blankies. I'll get right on that. While they're at the library, Arthur is horrified to see that Binky Barnes is there. Oh, this is so great. This is so good. Uh, and he says, I don't want him to know I'm looking for a blankie. And then Binky <laughs> is reading and then looks up and says, oh, no, it's Arthur. I don't want him to know I'm reading books. <laughs> And then they both kind of slink past each other, saying nothing. Uh, the Binky's line was pretty funny. Binky's got that great strategy of where he's covering his face with the book he's reading, yeah. even though he's still wearing his like patented giant orange shirt. Yeah, like he, it's so obvious that it's even, Binky, even though he's the largest nine-year-old you've ever seen. Exactly, like he's as tall as me. <laughs> The next place they go is the car wash, where DW thinks that uh, the vacuum cleaner part of the car wash sucked the blankie out of the car because DW had the window rolled down a little bit. Which to makes which I, the, yeah, yeah. To which I was like, close the damn window. What are you doing having a window open in the car wash? DW was like, the water was dripping down. And I was like, you, you, you think? My, my girlfriend and I just finished watching the Final Destination movies. <laughs> That's how somebody dies in the last movie. They get, they get Get killed by the car wash when they leave the sunroof open. You I, could. I mean, at that point, though, that's a real Darwin Award. Like, that's kind of your own fault. That's. It, it's half of that, but also half of you know death. You know, collects and makes <laughs> things happen. It's not entirely their fault, although it sure. is. They are partially to blame, but still, it's like. Just seeing this and just like, no, this could have gone so wrong. Close the damn window. But uh, they ask one of the workers there and, you know, he says, no, it only sucks up water, not blankies. 
But then he says, here, you can have my polishing cloth that he was just using. That's covered with like oil. Yeah, oil stains. And then Arthur, DW kind of walks away and then Arthur's like, it's not dirty enough for her. Oh, Arthur coming through. Like Arthur's uh, Arthur's practicing his type five on everybody he sees. (laughs) He just can't help himself. Uh, And then their final stop was the sugar bowl. And uh, in the flashback, you know, mom's having ice cream, finishing hers off. DW eating pudding out of what looks like a microwave tray. Like, it just looked kind of weird. It looked like something that you would make, like, zappums in or something. Mm. And also has, like, one bite of her pudding and then leaves the rest. And I was like, come on, man. I just paid for that. Maybe it was Totino's Pizza Roll flavored pudding. Ew. I mean, you wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I guess that's at Brain's mom's place, not the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, Sugar Bowl's more... More traditional? More traditional, let's say. And then Arthur sees his friends in the Sugar Bowl and, again, doesn't want to be seen, doesn't want them to know he's looking for a blankie. I did I did like DW because, of course, they've been, like, everywhere th- that afternoon. And DW says, I must have left my blankie at the table. And Arthur's just like, that's it? She's like, I'm too tired to think of anything. Come on. <laughs> like, at this point, she's like, yeah, she's probably real tuckered. DW kind of goes snooping around. Arthur's trying to act casual, but then his friends see him. It's like, I think it's Prunella, Sue Ellen, Muffy, and Francine. Well, mostly a lot of his girlfriends. And, uh, you know, Francine goes, Arthur, over here. And I liked I liked Arthur's nervous acknowledgement. He's just like, hey, hey. This is the most realistic moment in Arthur thus far. Well, when Arthur just goes, hey, hey. I thought I was looking at a documentary about myself when Arthur goes, I can't let those girls see me looking for a blankie. And they're like, hey, Arthur, the way he turns around, stiffens up his whole body like a board, leans backwards and goes, Hey, it almost doesn't even sound like Arthur. Like the voice actor just kind of sounds like themselves in an awkward scenario. It sounds like he's just trying to be cool. I believe I've made that exact same face, body language, and inflection and tone saying the words, hey, hey, when I'm in this scenario. Maybe not looking for a blankie, but when I'm trying to, uh, I'm in an embarrassing situation. I'm getting spotted by someone I did not want to be spotted by. Right. I, 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 it was like watching a. It was looking in a mirror, man. It's it. It, it did uh, remind me of many times I've done the same thing too. Just like, oh hey, hey, oh, oh hey, this guy. How you been doing? Right. Hey, high school's been good, huh? Uh, yeah. So three kids. Wow. Arthur's trying to hide the fact that uh, DW is currently on all fours looking for a blankie, like going around a stool. You know, he just says, like, oh, some make-believe game. You know how kids are. And then DW comes up and says, we can go. They don't have it. And Arthur quickly covers and just like, favorite flavor. Uh, They don't have her favorite flavor. And just like, all right, let's go now. And then Francine says, what's your favorite flavor? To which Arthur, with all the yes ands as best he can in this situation, just says, chocolate, vanilla chip, blankie. And it's just, it's just met by, like, thousand-yard stares, and he's like, okay, bye. Just gets the heck out of Dodge. He was in a t- uh, tough predicament, though, right? Because he couldn't say a flavor that they might actually have, but he had to make it semi-realistic. <laughs> yeah. And then just added blankie because he Chocolate just... vanilla chip blankie. I yeah. wonder how that would taste. So then Arthur's finally had enough, and he's just like, you know what? Nuts to this. I'm going to Buster's. And as soon as he gets to Buster's, he finds out that his Buster's mom returned all the tapes. So either so either they were out for like from like nine in the morning to five in the afternoon or like I'm just my my question was if they got 
quote unquote all the Renegade Joe movies, how do they expect to watch them all in an afternoon if they already got returned? My theory is that Buster just wasn't being uh, very – he wasn't communicating with Arthur properly and they might have gotten all the Renegade Joe movies earlier in the week. Ah. And maybe he was saying, Arthur, we got to watch these this afternoon because they're due this afternoon. Uh, may, may, could be. Could Hence be. the marathon. Then Buster explains what is happening in the – for some reason he talks about one Renegade Joe movie, but maybe he just means the latest one. But uh, he was watching – the latest one, Renegade Joe infiltrates a secret underground society of gorillas. Are they flying gorillas? Do or, they yeah, fly? I think they're flying gorillas or Yet something. Yet they live underground. Yeah, and then Renegade Joe uh, infiltrates them by wearing a gorilla suit. And it's just like, this sounds really close to a Planet of the Apes movie. This is like this close to like huh. underground of the Planet of the Apes. I, I guess. It's just like Indiana. It sounded like Indiana Jones meets the Planet of the Apes, which would be kind of cool. But of course, Arthur missed everything, and uh, you know, kind of gives DW a mean look. Then back at home, DW still hasn't found her blankie, and you know, uh, goes to bed. And then Arthur's kind of up late, you know, on Saturday night reading comics, and he hears DW kind of gro- moaning in her sleep, like "Give it back, give it back," and then. Uh, kind of goes to check on her, and she's having a bad dream that somebody stole her blankie. DW's a pretty big sleep talker, huh? Yeah. We just had an episode Eari- where she was the, like, the one about earrings. The earrings? My beautiful earrings. I like your earrings. Do you <laughs> like my earrings? Yeah. It's, it's very narratively convenient. <laughs> <laughs> so Arthur's trying to make her feel better, you know, I'm saying that they'll find it tomorrow. Uh, but then he gets an idea of what might help, and he goes to offer her Stanley. But DW says, you know, it's not the same thing. It doesn't work like that. And all of a sudden, Pal comes in the room, and he's carrying something a very familiar shape. But DW doesn't recognize it. Uh, you know, she's kind of yells at him. She's like, get away from me, pal. I don't want that. And, like, is near tears at this point. But D- but Arthur kind of takes a look at him. just like, but DW, this is your blankie. And she's like, no, it isn't. For one thing, it smells, and I was like, clean? And so it turns out it is the blankie. It's just been cleaned, and this is where I groaned. <laughs> Come on, man. Like this, ugh. we'll talk, we'll talk we'll, about we'll, it. We'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk about it. But just this, that's, that's where I groaned. Arthur leaves her with the blankie, and she apologizes to pal under duress. DW says, blankie says thank you for helping you me find her <laughs> i like how arthur goes to bed after they just like puts his face in the pillow just like that dumb blankie <laughs> but then he's ta- then he's tossing and turning because something isn't right and he realizes he left stanley behind in dw's room and then dw kind of comes into his room just like with stanley in her hands he's like you left us in my room it's like i would i would put it back but i'm sure you don't need it and then arthur goes bananas like you might as well have like gotten like you know in looney tunes when you know bugs bunny is like the matador and he's against the bull and the bull gets like those red flashing eyes that may as well have happened to arthur cuz all you hear at this point the episode ends with like a shot of the reed house as you know dw closes her door and then the whole house shakes as arthur's pounding on the door and yelling for his dad just like hey dad dw will give me back stanley arthur's got some deep seated issues like it he, seems like he flies off the handle it's nuts in the middle of the night so clearly he needs stanley a bit more than he let on all right that's that episode um 
I actually couldn't find a now word from us kids for this one. Same here. So, yeah. What do you think it would be? It's our new segment, Imagining Words from Us Kids. And now a thought from us adults. Usually it's something to do with the first episode. It's got right? it's got to be like their They're talking about like their stuffed animals. Their stuffed animals, their blankies and stuff like that. I need a nightlight. You know what? I think I vaguely remember a kid talking about a nightlight. It might not be this episode. There might be another Arthur the, Nightlight there, episode. But, yeah, there is an Arthur Nightlight episode. Oh, okay. Gee, um, my brain's playing tricks on me. My mind is playing tricks on me. And that's our extra music for the Now From Words From Us adult segment. And now back to the ghetto boys. Uh, our second episode is Arthur's substitute teacher trouble. So Arthur is once again talking to the camera, this time coming out uh, of class with a stack of books, him and Buster, both like, you know, from, you know, hands to chin stack of books that they have to do homework on. You know, he's just like they have a bunch of homework for Mr. Ratburn. And then we get. So this is one of my quote unquote favorite recurring gags and that it makes me laugh, but it also infuriates me, which is the light homework that everybody else gets that's not in Mr. Ratburn's class. So it's like, you know, their their homework for Mr. Ratburn's class is to study how clouds are formed. And Mrs. Sweetwater's class, all they have to do for homework is look at some clouds. And there's, <laughs> and there's just these two kids on the lawn looking up at the sky being like, it looks like a bunny. Yeah, it's so cute. And like, that's their homework. Just look at some clouds. Public education system for you, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And then this leads into Arthur's main thrust, that Mr. Ratburn is the toughest teacher on earth. And he turns everything into an opportunity for schoolwork. Uh, Like they go to a field trip to the zoo. He asks Arthur, what is, or sorry, he asks Francine, what is the average lifespan of a Galapagos turtle? Which, so, okay, let me get ahead of you here. Yeah, go ahead. All the questions that Mr. Ratburn asks on the field trip are pertinent and interesting. Like, yeah. he's not being like, he, he's not being as tough as they let on. He's literally just teaching. <laughs> like, he's not like, oh, I want to report on all this stuff at the zoo. Maybe that happened off screen. But he's just being, he's just trying to get the kids to be curious. But and not just like point at the animals and go, look, that's an animal. But it's also a bit different than like telling them the fact itself and then like asking them. Because he's asking it of just like, if you don't tell me, then you don't get marks for the day. And it's, just, and it's kind of like, well, how do you expect them to know that? But is that what he says? Or is he just like, no, he's, a, he's I'm expecting he's, he asks them the answer and then they're like, I don't know. And then maybe he tells them. Well, we, ne- sure. we never get that because everybody just kind of stares off in, into the camera. And exactly. Because like, all the other teachers are fe- filling their heads full of nonsense. That's right. Uh, he asks Arthur what a rhino's horn is made of. Ivory. I got that one. Yeah. And uh, he asks Buster, at what temperature does ice cream solidify? Uh, hmm. Which uh, which is actually kind of interesting. I'd like to know. What do you remember? What temperature water solidifies at? Is it zero? No, I don't know. It's like an exact number that water always freezes at. Oh, see, now I'm embarrassing myself. Well, zero is the freezing mark. There you go. So it might be zero, but because ice cream has all these other ingredients, it probably changes. Yeah, it's gotta um, gotta be. Um, hmm, that's interesting. That's some homework for you listeners out there. <laughs> if you're an ice cream scientist, we're gonna we're gonna Mr. Ratburn this podcast. Uh, <laughs> we expect these answers on our desk by next week. Um, and then 
Arthur says, no tougher teacher has been found this side of the planet Neptune. And then Buster does an epic wipeout. <laughs> like, they obviously animate this huge crack in the sidewalk so that Buster can stick his foot in it. He's got the big stack of books. He, like, steps in it. Books fall down. He slides in a puddle and then just wipes out. And it's, pre- it's, pretty, it's pretty something if to If Arthur see. was filming, he could submit that to Thrasher's Hall of Meat. <laughs> uh, so the episode begins with everybody in Mr. Ratburn's class, and uh, he's asking for them to plot the latitude and long- longitude of Ulan Bator. Again, educational. I consider myself to be a pretty well-read guy, not to toot my own horn. I have no idea where that is. So I actually took the liberty of looking it up. Here's something interesting is that obviously this was in, you know, 1996, and it's spelled U-L-A-N space B-A-T-O-R. So it's two words, which apparently was an anglicization of what the country's actual name is, Ulaanbaatar, U-L-A-A-N-B-A-T-A-R. And it was only recently changed back to its original spelling in the English before, you know, and previously it had been, you know, mixed into or split into two words. Uh, Ulaanbaatar is Mongolia's capital and its largest city. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, they're using globes to find latitude and longitude. Arthur looks over to Mrs. Sweetwater's class and it literally is her being like, class, close your eyes. Now, find your nose. And like, this is where I start pulling my hair. I'm like, find your nose. What are we doing here? More like find your brain. Jeez, Louise. That was me channeling Arthur in the first episode this week. Well, and then... (laughs) Oh, got him. And then <laughs> and then Arthur just starts, you know, he just kind of puts his hand on his head, shakes his head. And like, I'm doing that, too, but maybe for a different reason. Uh, <laughs> That's right, because he's shaking his head because he's jealous of them. Yeah. So at the beginning of this episode, you know, Mr. Ratburn kind of had a bit of a tickle in his throat, like kept kind of. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I think this is the is this the part where Arthur, do you have a headache? Yes. OK, so see, Arthur puts his hand to his head and he shakes his head. Uh, this was the hardest I laughed among. Uh, this was the hardest I laughed at these two. <laughs> episodes arthur's like face palming quite literally uh and someone asks arthur do you have a headache right uh and arthur goes do i (laughs) it's 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 great it's like do i Uh, i i mean no (laughs) like he's so bored and annoyed that he doesn't even know who he's talking to (laughs) yeah it's great he's completely checked out uh yeah that i wrote that down too uh, but Mr. Ratburn's voice is clearly getting worse, and he goes into Mr. Haney's office and tries to communicate so that he can't do class, but he can barely get the words out at this point. You know, he's like, Mr. Haney, I, I can't I can't do class. I, just like really choking on his words, and Mr. Yeah. Haney like kind of kind of manages to backdoor his way into figuring out what's wrong with Mr. Ratburn. He goes, "You'll have to tell me." Uh, it looks like you have a sore but throat. It, could... it, it's just like I hate to tell you this, but I think you're losing your voice. Like you'll, he, like, you'll have to figuring... tell me what you're trying to tell me once you feel better. Exactly, uh, Mr. So... Ratburn really is doing his best. Uh, <laughs> I'm not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> his best Christian Bale Batman voice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's not what I do, but what I teach that defines me. <laughs> Tell me where they are. We must have friends. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, all right, let's uh, cut that off right there. Uh, so Mr. Haney replaces, well, doesn't replace. Uh, he comes into their class and he says, children, I have some bad news. And then just apropos of nothing, Buster, ever the conspiracy theorist, just says, he's going to say we have to go to school all summer. I know it. <laughs> 
Like he's just like preparing for the worst of just like principles here. Like something bad's happening. This is, like it's all it's all it's all going down. Wasn't uh, that the plot of Recess the movie? They were trying to uh, the school board was like trying to eliminate summer vacation by blowing up the moon so there wouldn't be winter or the sun. They were going to block out the sun so it wasn't going to be oh, winter anymore. Man, no, no, no it was going to be winter all year long so there would be no summer vacation because the the the, the reason for this was statistically like. Schools in uh, Iceland and like all those Nordic places did the best because they had the <laughs> shortest summer. And so the school board were going to try and get their grades up by using the moon to block out the sun so it would be winter all year long. And then in like his final heroic act, TJ Detweiler gives this huge monologue about like, we'll bike in the slush. It doesn't matter. We'll always have summer vacation in our hearts. Wow. I never thought Principal Prickly would go that far. I haven't seen Recess Schools Out since I saw it in theaters. That's what it was called, Recess Schools Out. You know what? I don't think I have either. I just have a memory about some weird stuff. Add that to the list of Patreon goals. That song has the, that more. movie has the song One is the Loneliest Number by Three Dog Night. That's the other thing I remember about that for movie. The, for the parents. <laughs> Highly unusual. You know, he says Mr. Ratburn's ill and will be out for the rest of the week. So they're in the middle of the school day at this point. Just like, have you ever had that happen to you where you had to get like a sub in the middle of a day? I think so. I think yeah. we've had some emergencies. It's so unusual. It, it was really long ago. Uh, but it definitely has happened. It would have to happen again in elementary school when you only have one teacher all day long. Yeah, and I think it had re- happened back then. Sure, uh, but it was very, very rare. Uh, so you know, they start thinking about who might be their substitute teacher, and we get a nice, uh, an interesting reel of their various substitute teachers. So the first one, this was the one thing I remembered the most from this episode, um, from okay. watching it when I was younger. So the first one is Mr. Elkin, who is of course an elk, and he's got those big giant antlers or horn, horn antlers. Antlers. antlers antlers you had it excuse me and um you know the thing about him is that he's just a little clumsy and you know yeah, like, they're kind of mean to him like well, they're like oh mr elk and rolling their eyes he can't help that he's got big old antlers well, well to be fair to be fair uh you know it's mr elkin looking over their work and you know arthur says mr elkin is this right and he kind of turns his head a bit too swift and Ends up giving Buster a Stan Hansen lariat with his head, like just a, he like knocks him on his ass with his antler, and he's like, "Oh, sorry." Yeah, he seemed kind of he, he seemed I, awkward, but he seemed nice. It seems especially like compared to these other this rogues gallery of substitute teachers that they start to get into. Mr. Elkin is by far oh uh, the, the, the least the least offensive. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the least offensive of the not so good ones because then we got to the next one and I felt so bad for you because you know we, we you know a couple times this the show we talked about like gleeking and how you think like the the Francine like getting the you know drinking through the space in her teeth was super gross. And then the next person we get is Mrs. Bofini, and her whole thing is that she just chews super loudly. And I'm not even that like bothered by chewing noises. Like my girlfriend is big time, and but this was getting to the point where I was like, oh, okay, this is ew, like let's not do this anymore. So remember when I told you that my parents have watched a little bit of Arthur and they have some sort of Arthur jokes that okay. they use as inside jokes? Yes, yeah, yeah. Mrs. Bofini is another one. Well, they'll reference oh, really? Mrs. Bofini chewing on that apple just <laughs> is the answer. Yeah. Well, so, and, she, and she's doing it in time with this weird music. That's right. The music in this is really it's strange. Like, it's like, <laughs> and she's like, spell leather. <laughs> and then it, and it, and it gets super weird because there's like a weird horn in the back. It's like, 
it's, it's like something you might hear in like it's almost fear, it's like fear and loathing or something. <laughs> it's cra- it's it's, ugh, it's just it's it's very. Oh, ignore the terrible chewing. You're saying it's something out of a Terry Gilliam film? Yeah. Like it's like something out of Brazil. That's what it's like. It's like Brazil. Because she's because you kind of got the close-up on her face. You can almost imagine like a fish eye lens kind of thing. You could totally, it's like guest director Terry Gilliam of this What one animal part. is she? Is she a she's llama? Because that'd be hilarious. No, I think she's a lamb or a sheep. Oh, okay. Uh, she was a llama because they're notorious chewers. Yeah, big time. Uh, and then their next one is Miss Tremolo, who mumbles everything. Oh, Miss Tremolo is terrible. Yeah, she because I, I would yell at her if I was in that class. I'd be like, "Speak up! I'm trying to learn over here." Oh my goodness, that's one of my that's another one of my pet peeves. Because it really is. She's just like, like. How how did you get your teaching degree? Like, what are we doing here? From the uh, oh god, this is a real bad joke. <laughs> From the Minion School of Arts. Moving on. That's <laughs> for somebody. And then finally, the one substitute teacher that they remember fondly is Ms. Blank, who actually didn't show up. Oh, this so, is so good. So essentially, it's just like your substitute teacher, Ms. Blank, is unable to come in. And, you know, this is Mrs. Sweetwater. Buster was like, who was Miss Blank again? Arthur's like, you don't remember Miss Blank? And it's just like essentially the joke is, is that she wasn't there. So Mrs. Sweetwater had to, you know, give them coloring and cookies and stuff. So they're just like, oh, yeah, that was great when we didn't have a teacher. Uh, and then Mr. Haney comes back and says, your substitute teacher will be Mr. Ratburn's own sister, Ms. Ratburn, which like everybody is completely shocked about because uh, – this is the best part of the episode that we go into right here because it's like everybody kind of has their shocked face. And then we go back to the treehouse with Arthur, Francine, and Buster. And, you know, Arthur's like, maybe it won't be so bad. And Francine's like, what are the chances of that? They grew up in the same house, Arthur. And then Francine kind of takes us through the Ratburn brother and sister uh, as like through the years. So everything about this sequence is awesome. No, it's great. From, it's all in sepia tone mm-hmm. to show that it's like old. Yes. As we go through the years, all the outfits are period appropriate. Yeah. So like when they're in college, everybody's wearing like bell bottoms mm-hmm. and like, I guess 70s stuff. Yeah, 70s. But earlier they look like they're they're very neat and tidy and dressed like the 60s. The banter back and forth between Mr. Rapper and his sister. They are so catty. It's it, great. But they also have this like evil genius kind of vibe. Like yeah. they got kind of like a pinky and a, the brain vibe it, from them. It's very sinister. But it also all fits into the like the kids theories about Mr. Rapper and <laughs> continuity. I'll I'll let you run through it like bit by bit. Oh, it's, fan- it's it's fantastic like you said. And their voices are great too because you really get to hear Mr. Ratburn's voice actor like flexes muscle a little bit because he's got to be Ratburn through the ages. So it starts off with them as babies, and you know, Mister, they both got diapers on and like little outfits. So uh, Ms. Ratburn is in her crib, and Mister Ratburn comes in with a dictionary. He says, "Hey, can you spell antediluvian?" <laughs> it's so good, and and she says, "Of course, can't you?" Now stop bothering me. I'm doing calculus on like this personal computer, which if it was like the 1950s or something, I don't know how they would have That that would have to fill the room. Or something. Um, But you hit the nail on the head with everything that's awesome about the sequence. The voice work is what really makes it. It ties it together. Uh, then, Then when they're like Arthur's age and... 
Again, with the voices, that's just really great because it's like they're both going to the breakfast table and just like, are you having nails for breakfast again? And again, fits with co- this whole sequence is just a big inside yeah, joke for yeah, fans we, of like the first we, art, we get the return. Rapper. We get the return of nails, the return of the hit serial nails. <laughs> and then Mr. Rapper's like, of course, want some? Like he, he sounds like he sounds like a dubbed anime character. Like, <laughs> yes, that's totally. <laughs> you think you could be on my team? <laughs> yeah. Not impressive. Yeah, like, like something out of Girl Chan in Paradise. Do you know what he sounds like? What does he sound like? Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, he kind of does, doesn't he? Like, <laughs> You're he too sound, slow. He sounds like a parody of Sonic the Hedgehog. He sounds like Eagle Raptor doing Sonic yeah, the Hedgehog. Yeah, yeah, Or like a really cartoonish Shadow the Hedgehog. Sure, like, You're not even good enough to be my imitation. Yeah, we, we get there. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Ms. Ratburn's so tough that she eats her nails without milk. But... Another interesting, and this actually I thought was a really good attention to detail, was uh, Mr. Ratburn takes a, takes a screw out of his bowl of nails, and then she says, is that a screw? I'll take it. They're the best parts. And that's the one that he threw out in the second episode. Mr. Ratburn doesn't like the screws in nail cereal. Also in the second episode, though, he foregoes the milk, so maybe he grew out of him liking milk on nails. Could be he's so evil, he does, he eats it without milk. And he learned it from his sister. Mm-hmm. And then we go to college, and this is where it all kind of comes together. This is the Oh be- my goodness. This, is this the be- whole sequence. This is the best part, because uh, Ms. Ratburn comes in with like a load lifter of books. Like she's Baron Corbin or something. <laughs> yeah. And then Mr. Ratburn comes in and at this point, you know, they've learned they've learned evil. Like they know <laughs> They know the ways of treachery and deceit. Could you imagine? What I like to picture during this sequence is like everybody else at this university watching this play out. And I can imagine like what they would think of the rap burns. Like, oh my goodness, these rap burn people. Because it's like a mix between anime and a CW show. Because they're just like constantly backstabbing each other (laughs) and doing these circuitous schemes to get themselves ahead. Like Mr. Ratburn, uh, you know, comes up and he's just like, even though you thought you got this answer right on the test. Uh, like, this is I, so crazy. I found a mistake that the professor missed. And I informed him, <laughs> and he's lowering your grade. And then, If someone did that to me, I might kill them. It's like, so, I might actually murder them. That's just so nuts. It's so unbelievably petty. <laughs> and, and then even more so, uh, Ms. Ratburn's like, you know that star that you discovered? I checked it. And for your information, it's just gas. <laughs> I inform... I inform the whoever, like the uh, the the dean of students, they're taking your name off the honor roll. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's even worse. And you know, Mr. Rapper gets, gets a couple of good, like he's just steaming, just like, why must you compete with me? You know, I'm smarter. Like real anime stuff, like like you said, Shadow the Hedgehog. I'm just yeah. like, huh, you're not even good enough to be my equal. Yeah, they do it, go back and forth, like are not am two, and then Mr. Rapper says am two two two, and she says, you sound like a train. And then we get a little bit of Mr. Radburn, maybe uh, Arthur editorializing a little bit because he goes, who invented Little Sisters anyway? (laughs) And then we get, you know, fantastic deliveries of the final line because Mr. Radburn, I don't know if I'll get through this, but just like, I'll show you one day I'll be the toughest teacher in the universe. (laughs) And then she says, no, you won't. I'll be even tougher. This is like no the, like, the, the rest round, of the, round of applause. The rest of this Great episode stuff. could be terrible and it would be worth watching for this quick like 3 minute sequence. 
I think uh, that's what I want to what I want to take away for everybody listening is that if you haven't seen this episode yet, no matter what we say at the end, whether we recommend this episode, watch this part. Oh my it's goodness. fantastic! It's masterclass from animation <laughs> to the details to and the, the settings vo- to the voice work. Uh, the the like comedic timing on the young Mr. Rapburn's lines is so, so good. I want to see a 25-episode anime it's, about I, Mr. I, Ratburn. I feel like it's, like, so on the nose that I feel like it's, like, pulling from something. Like, some, <laughs> like, petulant genius character from some sitcom way back in the day. I can't put my finger on it. But, like, it's almost too good for the writers to have come up by themselves. It's, and if it if they did, all the credit in the world to them. It sounds so good, and it makes me so sad that we'll He's probably- like evil Urkel. That's what he's like. He's like an evil Steve Urkel. Or Stefan Urkel. Stefan Urkel. Stefan Urkel. Uh, it makes me sad that we'll probably never see this again because it's just a product of their imaginations. I don't know. They brought the nails gag back, so mm. maybe this will come back. I can only hope. But this this was really, really great. Uh, so Arthur is dreading going to school the next day because he figures that Miss Rapper will be terrible, even worse than Mr. Ratburn. So d- dad, mom and dad are on the couch kind of looking at what I'm going to guess is dad's expense reports for the catering business. Tough when you run your own business, man. That's some complicated stuff. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Uh, Arthur's dad is not a businessman. He's a businessman. <laughs> Arthur offers to stay home from school and help with uh, uh, dad's expense reports because he's thinking of Kate's future. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it's like Arthur's just desperate to get her going to school. As they're waiting the next day for Ms. Ratburn, uh, you know, Francine's just like, if she's anything like the rat, I'm going to go out with a stomach ache. And then Arthur's, Arthur's gimmick is that maybe I'll lose my glasses at lunchtime and get sent home. So they've got their built-in excuses ready to go. So everybody gasps as she comes in the door, and then immediately it's n- like exactly what they didn't expect. She's Well, before that, uh, Buster goes, he goes, get ready to work like dogs, <laughs> which is a kind of a really strange line. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, I thought it was funny. Well, it's, it, Miss Ratburn comes in, introduces herself as Ms. Rodentia Ratburn. All right, a little bit, a little, little too clever by half on Rodentia. But, uh, you know, she says, my brother has filled me in on everything. That's where Buster's like, all right, here we go. Uh, but then, you know, she's like, you know, she's very, she's very bright. She's very cheery. She's wearing these, uh, like she's wearing like a long skirt and like a, a cardigan sweater and stuff like that. Or not a cardigan, but like a, like a sweater and bright clothing, cheery disposition. So right away you're just like, oh, okay, this is where we're going. And then her first assignment is for them to recite the one times table. Which they do very happily because they know it very well at this point. You know, they're all just like, <laughs> they, they, they all these big, goofy smiles on their faces. One times one is one. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, all right, let's do it. Uh, fun fact this, uh, this episode is how I remember the two times table in my head. Oh. Up to, because they go up to two times 14 when they're, and of course, I just latched onto it as a kid, like memorizing Arthur episodes and like, all right. And, and then after a while, I was like, oh, it's every second number. That's what the two times table is. That's how it helped to click. Much like how Arthur taught me that nine times nine was 81. 81. This got me thinking, a little quick aside, it yeah. got me thinking about how uh, methodology behind education has changed over the years and how people think about education has changed. Right. I forgot how much in the 90s and the early 2000s elementary school was based on sheer memorization. memorization. Like when you think about the times tables like this, you're not really like processing what's going on. You're just like, yes, 
Two times two is indeed four. You're committing it to memory. You're not like, the way they're chanting and stuff. Like I remember this happening all the time, and there's just something weird about it. Looking back on it now, yeah. it, it it shows how um, you know academically opinions have changed over the years. For sure, and this is also how I remembered what yellow and blue make because she's <laughs> doing increasingly like simple tasks. Like she has these little color wheels. Like what do yellow and blue make? Green. And everybody's like, all right, this is awesome. This is the easiest day of school ever. But then it, that becomes too much of a good thing because at the, after the color thing, she goes, you know, she has flashcards of read this word. And it's like a picture of a, do- of a dog and the word dog. And they're just like, dog. Just as awesome as their like super over enthusiastic one times tables were. Like, dog. Like all their faces are super long. They're like, they're, like you can see how just mind-numbingly bored they all are. And, and it's like, it's like, now try this word. Cat. <laughs> yeah, she's like, this one's a little bit tougher. Cat. Then one that hits a little too close to home because then she starts, she brings out the guitar and starts singing I Like Fudge. Again, Lucas's parents inside joke meme alert. Uh, my mom would reference the I Like Fudge song all the time. And up to this point, I attributed it to Mrs. Sweetwater. I thought she was the one who sang I Like Fudge. But no, it's Miss Rapper. I like fudge. I like fudge. If you ask me what I like, I say I like fudge. Uh, to a Migos record near you. <laughs> and then Arthur looks over in Mrs. Sweetwater's class, and she is also breaking out the acoustic guitar you know, anyway, here's Wonderwall for kids. <laughs> oh and then, no! And then Arthur. Oh gosh, that'd be the worst school day ever. <laughs> and then Arthur. And then Arthur just looks at the camera, and goes, "Shocking." <laughs> That's it's, that is kind of a weird aside. And then, <laughs> and then at this point, Miss Ratburn has a hand puppet on and is asking Francine what season comes after fall, and she's like, "Winter." Like she's being held hostage. <laughs> And then the and then the brain just stands up. He can't take any more of this. He's like, for goodness sake, we're in third grade, you know. We see a cross section of the brain's brain, and it's like, sh- is it like shrinking or melting? Right. Or? Be- well, at this, uh, when we get to the two times table, that's when we get all okay, the visual yes. gags. Everybody getting tired. Uh, and then you know, she says, "You think this work is too easy? Then let's recite the two times table." And this is where we get it. And then this is where everybody gets super bored because. Uh, Arthur says, what time is it? And Buster says, it's only 10 o'clock a.m. <laughs> As if they were going to be at school at 10 o'clock p.m. Like That's Fran- another good line. Like Francine's doodling. Muffy's yawning. Swell and Buster are falling asleep. And then we get like an image of Brain's brain, and it is just melting out of his skeleton. Uh, Buster like like slams his head on his desk, like like falls asleep. And th- in this, we get another reference to Planet of the Apes. I was going to say, speaking of Planet of the Apes. Yeah, and uh, we get a reference to Planet of the Apes where Buster finds himself on a on a sandy beach uh, with the with the tide kind of coming in, and then he looks ahead and he screams because he sees Ms. Ratburn made up to be like the Statue of Liberty with the hand puppet in her hand, <laughs> and it's washed up on the beach like it is in Planet of the Apes. And I'm like, I get it, but... What is this saying? What's the reference? <laughs> like, it was Earth all along? Is that... What? Anyway, it's, it's, it's a nice visual reference, but it kind of doesn't make sense. Uh, uh, so at this point, they are just going crazy. Like, Buster wakes up screaming. 
the day is over and you know Ms. Rapper is apparently is apparently going to be here for the rest of the week and she says tomorrow we'll read aloud from Spotty Goes Accounting and this is like we I said earlier it's all brain can take this is the breaking point so brain acts much like me after a long day of work he just like don't is- don't panic just get home to your computer <laughs> Like same dude. Yeah, been there. Brain like shoves a student aside to like and runs out the door, like he can't leave fast enough. And later, Buster. Yeah, brain's like brain's declining mental state is the funniest part of this whole sequence. Yeah, just like he can't be inundated with these easy questions anymore, or else he'll literally lose his mind. As they regroup later, Buster says, "I thought the brain was gonna cry." <laughs> And then, and then this is where Arthur says, "I actually miss Mr. Ratburn." And at first, Buster and Fancy go, <gasps> and then they kind of think about it, like, "Yeah, so do I." The, and this is where the kind of the wheel turns of like, you know what? As much as we hate all that work, it really was better than the alternative. Uh, it's like it's, we can't go back to way, the way things used to be. And then the next day, they're just getting ready for another day with Ms. Rodentia Ratburn. But then Mr. Haney comes in and says. Uh, Ms. Ratburn will not be teaching your class today because Mr. Ratburn returned early. And I love this shot of him coming back in because it's him it's him coming through the door. And then we see in the foreground, like the like the representation of the kids cheering is like waving their hands in the air, but there's like kids who are throwing hats up in the air. One kid has a one little kid American, has American flag. flag. One kid's throwing a graduation hat in the air. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. And it's just like, it's like, yeah, it's like, all right, I'm back. The fun and games are over. So they get right down to the work. And then there are two kids over in Miss Sweetwater's class who see that Mr. Ratburn has returned. And they say, oh, no, he's back. I feel sorry for those kids. And then they're about to have story time with Mr. Clown. And then Arthur looks back at them and says, boy, I feel sorry for those kids. And then they get to work much more happily than they would have before. And uh, that's the end of the episode. All right, so uh, let's uh, put these episodes in review. Let's go back to DW's Blanky. Lucas, what did you think? DW's Blanky, I enjoyed the majority of the episode, the first three quarters of it. I thought it was a fun little adventure of them trying to solve the mystery. Uh, I liked the banter between uh, DW and Arthur. It had a really buddy cop vibe, and I was getting a huge kick out of Arthur just being a whole big old grump through the whole thing. That episode really hits the brakes in the last quarter. Like, the whole sequence of them going to bed, I just felt like it took forever. And I was mentally checked out. Like, when you were talking about Arthur freaking out, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that did happen. My eyes had just started to glaze over because I could see... Like, the conclusion of, oh, the blankie was in the wash all along, a mile away. And so I was like, okay, guys, let's let's wrap it up. And it Mm -hmm. just kept going and going. So it had a really solid first three quarters. I thought it was just a fun little mystery episode. And then it just kind of goes off the rails near the end. But it wasn't bad. Like, I just thought it was fine. It just didn't stick the ending. Um, I'm lukewarm on it. There, there were some parts that I, you know, I can admit were pretty funny. A good line here or there, but as I said before, like the ending is really just kind of like, really, like that's how we wrap this all up. Like it was just, it was just in the wash the whole time, and I don't know. It just the ending didn't. Yeah, it didn't stick the landing. I agree with you. Um, I thought that it kind of played out almost like it, like a children's book, like. I don't know if there is a book of DW's Blanky, but it felt like like any number of children's books where it's like, where did I go today? Well, I went here with mommy mm. and then I went here and then I went here. So it felt like it was almost adapted from a children's book, but I don't know if that's true or not. It really took a a more simple plot structure. And I mean, that's fine, but it didn't really 
speak it i mean definitely speak to me like i didn't really enjoy it all that much it was fine but i wouldn't watch it again i think i have a little bit more of a soft spot for it because i love the uh the just spending time with arthur and dw like i love episodes where like they're kind of like a team and they're working on a common goal Mm -hmm. I, i i like that dichotomy but um, you're right. Like it's it is just kind of middling. Though DW's asides are very funny. Like sure. When she's talking about what she thinks will happen to the blankie, a lot uh, of times she is the star of the show when when she's allowed to get a few lines. And then also one more thing, yeah. Arthur going, hey, 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 might be up there with one of my favorite Arthur moments of all time. <laughs> so okay. it's got that. All right. Um, Arthur substitute teacher trouble. Now, this may sound a little incongruous with what we were just talking about. I actually thought the episode overall was also kind of just okay. Like this, interesting. Like the story of it, I thought was eh, like eh, fine. It let it. I think what was strongest was that there were uh, some funny lines in there, and admittedly, that you know, minute and a half, two minute stretch of. Mr. and Mr. and Ms. Ratburn. I thought that that was that was easily the best part. And the rest of it was it was OK. I liked it. I like it a little better than D.W.'s Blanky because I, you know, I like seeing the other side of the Ratburn family. I thought that that was kind of a fun dichotomy. I like the I like the message, actually, where it's like, you know, um, you don't know how good you have it sometimes. And I like grass is always greener because we've said before of just like how much better for them. Mr. Ratburn's classes than the other two third grade classes. And this is a great illustration of why it's good because they're being challenged. And then when they're not challenged, they're completely bored and, you know, basically wasting their time. So I think that's a, that's a good message to send. But other than that, you know, I, it didn't, I didn't really connect with it as much as other episodes, but I I don't have any ill will towards it. Like I said, like it a little better than DW's Blanky, and for the like there were just a couple of really strong parts in there, but as a whole, it didn't add up for me. I I loved this episode, okay. and I, I and it, because I think it works on multiple levels. One, I think it's one of the best funny episodes where it's just joke after joke after joke. It hits yeah. so hard. But two, I think the overall overall plot line is important to the Arthur canon because. Because they address an issue that you've had throughout the series. Um, the series hasn't really, like, taken a hard stance over, is Mrs. Sweetwater's class actually bad for these other kids? It, it It's kind of just used them for comic relief. Mm-hmm. But you've always pointed out, you said, you know, if you were a parent, you would not want your kids in that class. I think this episode's super important to the Arthur canon because it's taking his stance on that. It's saying, no, Mr. Rapper's style of teaching is actually way, way better. Look what happens when you get a Mrs. Sweetwater class. You, right. you become completely brain dead. You might suffer brain injury as brain was hypothesizing. For so, sure. Um, I think That's it good. works on that level. It has that great moral. I also think it works well as like an ensemble cast cast episode of like all the kids kind of bouncing off each other with like Buster's got some good lines in it. Arthur's got some good lines in it with a, uh, 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 do I? Um, and of course that Mr. Rapper sequence of like the history of the Rapperns is just so solid. Um, I think it moves at a good clip. And I also like the part where they go through all the uh, substitute teachers of the class. Yeah. I thought that in was the fun. past. 
Um, and Mr. Haney, like, mistaking what Mr. Rappern is. I, I think all the little set pieces in this episode super worked for me as, mm-hmm. like, comedy bits. But I also think the overall plot was important. So, I don't know. This episode super duper worked for me. I felt like they were just throwing everything at the wall to see what sticked. And it ended up being better than the sum of its parts. Okay. I mean, I think that I think that your uh, your summation is fairly correct. It just kind of on a personal level didn't do a whole lot for <laughs> – didn't do as much for me as it did for you. But, no, I, I absolutely see what you're saying. The one thing – I'll agree with you didn't quite work is like that Planet of the Apes reference like what were they thinking there but that kind of did work <laughs> because it didn't the, the thing that really saves it is Buster waking up screaming <laughs> like that part's funny but it's like yeah like w- what is this alternate universe does Mrs. Rapper run the earth did, did she blow it up <laughs> is she the maniac that blew it up yeah okay there you go DW's Blanky and Arthur's Substitute Teacher Trouble. As we come to the end of Arthur Season 1, we're going to have some uh, big things happening for sure in the next few weeks. Uh, and, of course, as life continues to move on, so will Elwood City Limits. So before we end off the episode, let me just uh, quickly run through the ways which you can interact with us. First off, there is Facebook, facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. You can go over there. We post the new episodes there as well as our uh, dankest of memes. And uh, we also uh, have some reviews over there. In fact, want to give a shout out to our latest five-star review from Mr. Josh Sue. Josh, thank you very much. We really appreciate that. On Twitter, at ECL Podcast, follow us over there. We're almost to 50 followers. Thank you very much to everybody who interacts with us over there. Uh, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. We are very thankful to the Tumblr community for helping to uh, uh, boost our signal for this podcast. And uh, we hope that you'll continue to like and reblog over there. Uh, and you can interact with us a bit more directly. Send an email to the show, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Now, normally our prerogative is to read the emails on the show. But if you don't want it to be read on the show, just make sure you let me know. And we can uh, just keep it between you and I. But ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com com is totally totally fine you can also send your questions into our tumblr as well and don't forget to fill it fill out your march madness arthur character bracket by next week and let us know how ice cream freezes what's the deal with that what's the temp at, at what temperature does ice cream solidify also what is the average lifespan of a galapagos turtle and uh yeah also if you're in uh, aaron moore's RTJ journalism class. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, hello to Aaron Moore, our journalism teacher. Uh, we were we were featured uh, in her class this week. How about that? How about that? Cash me outside. Uh, and finally, you can find us by uh, listening to us on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com/slash Elwood City Limits. And uh, you can like and share over there, or you can subscribe over on iTunes, Elwood City Limits. And if you like, make sure to leave a five-star review uh, or whatever star you think we deserve. And, uh, yeah, a, a written review as well. We really appreciate that. Okay, so coming up next week, I believe this is episode 28, and this has been one been waiting a long time for. I feel like we're saying that every week now. We've just had banger after but, banger. But see, but see, last week it was like, I thought this, there's there's ones that are like, oh, I thought we were getting this earlier. This one is like, I knew this was later in the episode, in the season, but I've been waiting for it for a long time because I'm really looking forward to what I and you have to say about it. It's I'm a Poet and the Scare Your Pants Off Club. <gasps>
We're gonna this be- meeting of the Midnight Club has been adjourned. The, the Midnight Society. The Midnight Society, yes. And, How could I forget? And, uh, yeah, so we're going to be getting into that. We're getting, getting into a little bit more Fern. We're going to be introduced to Fern as a character, which is someone I'm also anxious to revisit. So Could she run away with the March Madness bracket? Who knows? We'll find out next week. That's right. Uh, I, will, I will just let you know we're going to be having a little bit of a change to the schedule coming up after next week's episode. I'll let you know about all of that next week, appropriately. So, for Elwood City Limits, my name's Will Young. Lucas, take us out of here. I am cute. I'm adorable. That's right. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again next time. (laughs) (laughs) 